You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 193, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. For this edition of Look at My Records, I chatted with Alex Deason and Amber Bollinger of Los Angeles's Broken Baby. The duo entered the tail end of 2021 by sharing their great sophomore full-length late-stage optimism, a fiery and hard-charging record that unleashes a torrent of biting hooks and an in-your-face attitude across its 11 tracks. The band released the album on their own imprint, Poor Man Records, which is also home to some of our favorite Los Angeles bands, including Young Winona and Human Barbie. During our interview, we talked all about how the project formed after both Deason and Bollinger grew tired of playing music that just didn't excite them anymore, how they decided to scrap five tracks on late-stage optimism during the pandemic and record new ones in their place, what you can expect from their already legendary live performances, and much more. They also picked some awesome records from The Smiths, Povo, and Nico. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right, welcome to another episode of Look at My Records. Super excited to be talking with Amber and Alex of the awesome, awesome Los Angeles-based band Broken Baby. You just dropped a new record, Late Stage Optimism. It's your second full-length. Congratulations. How are you? How's it feel to have this great record out there um wow that feels it feels good we hope that people think it's great uh we think it's great i think that might be all that matters yeah uh, (laughs) we're pretty excited you like it that's rad yeah totally i like it a whole lot lots of energy and spunk across the record and we're going to talk all about it but before we talk about the record i think i just put two and two together yesterday amber and alex are you also behind Poor Man Records, Amber? I know we've had some email conversations before in the past, so it's cool to discover that you're the same, Amber. Yes, yes. Yes. I don't necessarily hide it, but I also don't don't come forward with it. Like, hi, this is Amber from Bro- Poor Man Records. I'm also in the band Broken Baby, and I'm pitching my band Broken Baby. Um, but people usually connect the two because I don't like hide it but yeah we uh yeah we're we're poor man i've been wearing the shirt oh Oh sick yeah i love the logo the two the two very replacements uh e with the ripped with the ripped collar like pleased to meet me so very cool but instead what are they yeah instead they're passing uh they're They're passing passing a record record between beautiful love the inspiration behind that everyone just so this will be audio the logo has a record between two hands 
and the it kind of has a ripped sleeve like the cover of the replacements please to to meet me but tell me a little bit about the label because i really love all of the artists on your label in addition to broken baby young winona is definitely one of my uh, favorite new bands tell me a little bit about it how'd you launch it and have you been able to you know get so many great bands on the roster well, it started originally, I was in a band before this and we had a, like, we had to like make up an yeah. imprint, um, because we're, um, you know, recording our own records and then licensing them to record labels or to, uh, distribution companies. And so we were working with a distribution company, ADA, and they were like, well, you need to have some sort of imprint, you know? And, and so we made up this thing called poor man records because the first e- ever made we called a poor man record because it wasn't quite long enough to be an ep but it wasn't short <laughs> yeah, enough to be a nice. single so it kind of just became the imprint of my old band and then um when we started with broken baby um i also simultaneously got a job as the gm of a larger record label called palo santo records which which was a record label in, in dallas which is now called happiness records um and they agreed to allow me to distribute my imprint poor man records through the yeah. orchard which is where they got a deal um and so then we started using it pretty much primarily just for broken baby stuff and then we were like we should be like using some of these resources that we have through the orchard um and, and some help yeah. the bands that we like yeah mm-hmm. like yeah and, and you know it, i'd love to say like we were helping our friends um but i think we created the friends yeah, through poor man yeah. Records. they weren't our friends they weren't and they became our friends like you know human Barbie, yeah another great uh, one yeah tummy ache tummy ache was our first i think right after broken baby I think so. and then um yeah branching out to like human barbie pure adult young winona sugar fits Mm-hmm. And um, we did it a release by the eyes as well which was yeah, yeah a lot band. of great la based bands on the label everyone uh check it out pm records usa.bandcamp.com as i mentioned young winona one of my favorites human barbie also really great and of course broken baby as well cool you're doing great things with the label Thanks, sure. it's fun we really enjoy it it's nice to take the focus off of us <laughs> as you know artists and musicians and just kind of focus on other bands that we really like. It's been really rewarding in that way. Yeah. So you both have really interesting and unique backgrounds. Alex, you played in a great band called the damn wells for a very long time here in Brooklyn. And you're originally from New Jersey, my home state as well. Amber, you, you used to, you were an actress. You're originally from Ohio. You played in a different band prior to, a broken baby. How'd you two meet and start making music together? Well, we met a long time ago. Yeah, I know the meeting was yeah. a while ago, and then music came much later, right? Yeah, much yeah, we later. met in like 2007, um, and then we didn't start making music until 2017. Yeah, so it took about 10 years of friendship and uh, and like you know, kind of, or just a mutual appreciation for a lot of different kinds of music. Um, and then when we started making music together, originally we were like, oh, I guess we'll be like a folk kind of thing or we'll sing harmonies and stuff because I was in sort of an, you know, American rock Americana band. And, yeah. But that's um, not what we wanted to do. That We quickly learned that was not at all that's... what we wanted to do. That we were tired of being precious and wanted to be loud and obnoxious uh, and obnoxious. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so that brings us to now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Alex, it's so interesting because, you know, I'm familiar with the damn wells and I was checking out your solo stuff as as well. It's totally different sounding. You know, it's it's very nice, softer kind of sounding indie rock. Mm-hmm. Broken Baby is this really fierce, you know, in your face rock and roll with punk influences and post-punk influences as well. What's it been like to write songs that are so much different than what you're used to uh, creating with your previous projects? For me, you know, when I first started playing, uh, when I went to college, all I wanted to do was be in a band. I didn't even care what my major was or if I failed. Yeah. God, I just wanted to be in a band. So I think I was recruiting band members like on day one. Um, and I was listening to at the time, you know, a lot of what was, what was then, I guess, was called indie rock, but it really was indie rock. It was rock and roll that was distributed by independent record labels. Yeah. They, you know, Touch and Go, Quarterstick, Discord. Um, and a lot of those bands were, had a big influence on me. And yeah, totally. Those were the bands that I wanted to play in. And then at the same time, kind of simultaneously there was this new kind of like cow punk slash like um like punk folk movement going on yeah. that that didn't really come about until probably you know a couple of years after i graduated with the emergence of whiskey town and ryan adams and the moldy and some of those bands um and I, and i started listening to the anthology of american folk music and started playing those songs and that just kind of led me down this path where I could sing and play music by myself and it was much easier to manage than a whole band. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so it kind of just put me on a path that I had not necessarily intended to be on. And then that led to the forming of the damn wells, which then got signed by Epic records. And then we were touring all over the country and the world. And, um, and it wasn't that I didn't like doing it. I really enjoyed it, but it wasn't necessarily what I had thought I would be doing. Yeah kind of just fell into it almost and then got in that groove, it sounds like. Exactly. Yeah. So when that was over, Amber and I were talking about playing some music together and and it just became really evident that, oh, there's like a whole bevy of influences that I've been neglecting all these years and I kind of just picked up where I left off, for me anyway, back in college and picked up the guitar and started listening to those records again the Jesus Lizard, Shellac, Gazi, you know, Gang of Four, um, and just started to think what it would be like if I had just kept going from that moment. And then, of course, Amber came in with her spunk and ingenuity and her yeah. melody, and it, it was kind of made it really easy. Yeah, totally. I'm wondering, were people that you knew who were familiar with, you know, your songwriting and stuff like that, how'd they react to this kind of new sound that you were creating? Were people pumped for you? Uh, Unfavorably. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they can fuck off. Yeah. (laughs) You know, when you, when you're in a band for a long time, a lot of fans wind up becoming friends. Um, Yeah. The ones that I would consider fans to the friends were super supportive, super excited. Yeah. And they, loved the band. And loved the band and yeah. loved Amber and mm-hmm. saw how happy I was and um, and were super supportive. And then, you know, for a while there, every time we would post something or I'd post something to my own personal Instagram page or to the Damwells Facebook page, there'd always be a couple of people piping in being like, why don't you go back, go back to making Damwells music? <laughs> um, or like even posting two Broken Baby videos, like, I don't really like this. Bring back Alex Deason. Yeah. 
Like, awesome. <laughs> but that's, you know. In short. That's always, <laughs> that's like a common thing, I feel yep. like. Any, any artist wants to continue to challenge themselves and evolve. That's natural. And then a lot of the fans are like, oh, we want more of the same. But yeah. that's not the way it works, yo. That's not the way it works. I mean, we also got from record to record. Or, you know, I'm not saying overwhelmingly, but like we would get a couple reviews just from Damwell's record to Damwell's record. That was a bring back that old sound. And it was like, we didn't, I didn't even know that we had abandoned it. <laughs> very precious and very, you know, proprietary about, about the bands they like and what they do. And, um, so you can imagine if going from record to record, there was criticism going from the damn wells to Broken Baby. Multiply that. Yeah. Well, I love Broken Baby, and I know a lot of other people do too. So keep yeah. on doing it. This new record rules. <laughs> Take me back to the initial stages of this project forming. Do you remember the first time the two of you had jammed together or really started planting the seeds for this project? And, and what was it like? It was in the back of a van uh, when we were touring for Alex Dean's solo record. And I was singing back up with our good friend, Brianna Sage, who's in Sugar Fits on our label. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Alex is kind of, I don't know if you said, I'm sick of doing this. I think maybe we should start a band and you should sing. Basically what he s said. And I was like, no, that's a, that's a bad idea. We're not going to do that. And then uh, after the tour, we went home and we kind of like started, we were listening to records that we really liked. And then um, I went to work and he, I came home to him like having two songs finished. No, no melody, <laughs> just like instrumental. Yeah. Two songs, so fucking excited. And I didn't think he was serious. <laughs> he was serious. <laughs> and so, um, and I think one of the first ones was uh, Bullets or Bummer. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know what it was supposed to sound like. So it was just like, let's just get up in front of a mic and see what we can do over top of this song. And it kind of started out like a, not like a rap, but it was very rappy. I got a feeling that there's nothing to say, you know, like just like really rhythmic kind of. So uh, that's where it began. And we didn't take it. We weren't precious about it all. We were just like, let's just see what we can do. And then, we literally did six songs and then just put them out. We didn't even think about it. Didn't think about what uh, it was, you know, not no editing of it really. You know, we were just it no was, marketing, no, no marketing. It was just sporadic. Like, let's just see what we can do together. And that was really the, the, fin the finesse. There was no finesse involved. It was yeah, just, that was the finesse. That was the, pr it was practice. And then we just put it out and yeah, that was the EP in 2018. Right? 18? Mm -hmm. 17. Or 217. Yeah. Damn, time flies. Time flies. Amber, the previous band that you were in, were you the front person of that band too? Yeah, like uh, I, I was a co-singer, co yeah, a co-person. Yeah, because here <laughs> you're you're the you're the front person of this band and you totally give it its, you know, attitude and personality. So what's that been like for you to really take this front person role in this band by the, the reins and really make it your own. It's been exciting. Actually, this is like, I, you know, I kind of secretly always wanted to be in, you know, uh, like be a singer in a band or something like that. And really, I just knew how to play piano. 
Um, and you know, I wasn't that great at it. Maybe I knew a little bit of, you know, some chords in the guitar, but not, you know, didn't really feel like practicing that. Yeah. I <laughs> you know, totally like, oh. know how, how you feel with that. Yeah. So being able to like, you know, be a front person of a band is really exciting. I, you know, as an actor, I always wanted to, you know, take something of my own and make it my own, but it's really hard as an actor. You have to write, edit, direct, produce all that stuff by yourself. Um, and I, that just got really boring to me. Um, cause it ended up being not stories that I'm not telling of myself or stories that I, I didn't want to tell these stories, but I was involved. Um, so broken baby was much more interesting where it was like, Oh, it felt like more. Oh, mine. Yeah. So like, let's, you know, so now I can scream it instead of <clears throat> sing it song. Yeah, the songs are, you know, <laughs> when I hear the songs, I can basically really, you know, hear you literally, but also, I guess, not figuratively, but, you know, the words are clearly based on you and your experience as well. So it's it's cool in that respect. That's rad. Thank you. I'm glad that it comes through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's really it's really exciting. I don't want it to end. It doesn't have to. It never has to end. It never has to end. <laughs> it can continue forever. Yeah, let's just get those shows out. Let's start playing more shows. You know, I know we, you had a canceled tour. tour. That must, you know, that's super disappointing. Yeah, uh, yeah and that's the whole fucking point of being in a band so that we can play live so we just we just want to get the show on the road yeah tell me what a broken baby live show is like because there's like i said there's so much energy and passion to these songs what can people expect when they come to see you play live my perspective of the show is far different than her perspective the audience's perspective we kind of do where we we map out on the stage like like okay this is her area right and so that square is really just leaves enough on each side for the bass player and guitar player me and max or adam depending on my and the drummer and we try to just give her that space to run around nice. and do her thing because in the early days we, you know, I didn't know what she was going to do. So I would just, you know, set up normally on the right side of the stage, whatever. And like within the first like 15 seconds, you know, she kicked the plug out of my guitar amp and, you know, like uh, stepped on a pedal that wasn't supposed to be stepped on. And so, so we try to just give her, you know, as w- a wide berth. Um, so my perspective of the show is really like, I'll, I'll look down at my guitar, play something, look up at the microphone, sing some backing vocals, look over, she'll be on stage, look down literally a second later look over and she's out in the audience or she's on the drum set or she's on the floor or um so for me it's it's almost like um you know it's like i never know what's going to happen next it's a very physical show that's great um, it's a performance yes yeah. it's re- it's you know it's, it's fucking rock and roll it's ridiculous it's uh, don't take it too seriously. Um, I do accidentally kick some people sometimes, but most of them are okay with it. Most of them Yeah, I just, I'm a really physical person. I was an athlete my whole life. I went to college for, you know, track field and, uh, 2000 know, Ohio State high jump. Whoa, champion. that's amazing. Tell that's incredible. <laughs> He loves to tell people that. Uh, but so it's like, like a show is really physical. It's an exorcism. 
and it's like I have to get it out. So I uh, I don't like I know performers sometimes black out like don't remember some things, but I remember absolutely everything. <laughs> I I look people in the face. I like I'm I want to touch you. I want to feel you. I want you to be a little bit annoyed by me, and that, that that's like fuel. It's that's really beautiful, really and I totally had a feeling that that's what the live experience was like at a broken baby show just by listening to the music. Cause it also comes through in the recorded music. I feel like. Right. Oh, good. That's, that's, that's great good. That's what we want. That's I mean, right. people in the back, there's sometimes people that will kind of like stand in the back, but they're not. <laughs> Nobody's safe. <laughs> yeah. Nobody is safe. I don't want you to be safe. It is safe. Cause I'm not going to kill you, but like, yeah, there's always that risk, you know, my, which is it, what makes it exciting. I'm gonna kill you with my love. One of my favorite bands of all time is the Jesus Lizard, and David Yao is like um, a god. You know, he's a <laughs> god, and and he's also a very unpredictable. And you know, I remember reading uh, an interview with um, Dwayne Dennison, the guitar player, and and he was asked a similar question about you know what's it like performing on stage with the Jesus Lizard. And he's and he basically said, you know, we just try to give you know David Yao as much room as possible because you never know what he's going to knock over. Um, and watching them perform live, it's a it's a similar thing. You know, David Yao is obviously you know a different performer and is like it's a very cathartic performance and he's very unpredictable and um, and I think Amber is also unpredictable and cathartic, but it's it's in a different it's in a different way. You know, um, but I, but I always I always think of of Dwayne Dennison. I saw a video of him one time. They were performing at like um, the Black Cat in DC in the 90s. And it's an old grainy VHS video. And David Yao is running around the stage, whatever. And he keeps kind of brushing Dwayne Dennison and he keeps moving further and further and further and further away from his position on stage until he's basically in the wings. Um, And I I just love that kind of interaction where it's like there is a hierarchy here. The performer is David. The musicians, <laughs> uh, not that David Yao is not a musician, but but the other people's jobs are to be musicians and not necessarily performers. Uh, and when I go to see bands sometimes and I see a front person who's performing and then I see like a bass player who's trying to sort of match the Yeah, energy, the vibes are off. It always feels yeah. a little lot. <laughs> vibes are off. I also try to be, because, you know, there's times when I'm on stage and I want to, you know, freak out and jump and do a thing with my guitar. And, you know, I'm excited and I don't curtail that, but luckily the parts are complicated yeah. enough that I don't, I don't really have the freedom to do that. You know, same with, with Dwayne Dennis and the Jesus lizard. So I just, Leave the complication <laughs> to you. Right. Leave the fun. Yeah, like it works. Yeah. It works for broken baby. <laughs> There's a necessary distribution of complication and fun between the two of you. So <laughs> late stage optimism, it's your second record and you also put out an EP in 2017. Were there any lessons you took from those first two releases uh, that you took to the process for recording this record? Did you do anything differently or did you kind of approach it mostly uh, in the same way? We, we actually did do it differently this time where yeah. we had the record, this record, already oh, done wow. in 2019 because yeah. we thought 2020 was great and uh we <laughs> were wrong we're wrong everybody <laughs> was wrong it's all good 
And then we, uh, over quarantine, decided that five of our songs were shit. And we just re- we wrote new ones. And before EP and the first LP, we're, we didn't have any other songs. We were just like, yep, this is good enough. <laughs> this is good enough. <laughs> um, and let's just put this up. I think this time we were actually wow. kind of honing in on like maybe, you know, a new sound or not a new sound, but um, enhancing and like lifting up what we were doing, just trying to make it better and just like clearer, I guess. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay. Yeah. It does sound like a really tight record, so that's not surprising. What were the songs that you wrote during uh, 2020 then that made it onto the record? After, you know, you kind of had a finished product, but then decided to scrap five of the tracks. We wrote Get the Piss Up. Great song. Yeah, nice. Maniac. That's track two, right? That's right. One and two, track one and two. Um, uh, No, we redid Madonna's a Dick. Yeah, we we rewrote Madonna's a Dick about four to five times. Yeah, Yeah, and this one... And during the during the pandemic, finished it in the pandemic. Jack White money, cloud. No, 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 die, 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 die. Oh, so it's all like because cloud coverage and uh, hand heat are like the kind of still rock and roll, but not as crazy rock and roll as the other tracks. So it was more of a you guys churned out some hard rockers during the pandemic. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, 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 we did. That's so funny. <laughs> like cloud coverage and hand heat in 2009. But they resurfaced during the pandemic and had to be sort of re rejiggered, if if that's a word that people use in the 20th century. But it had to be like reconfigured to match the rest of the record. You know, because we're we're producing everything here yeah. and mixing it here. So, um, you know, finding consistency across. 11 songs that were recorded over you know, three years, it can, it can be difficult. So a lot of times when you're going back to like a song like Cloud Coverage, which we wrote in 20, 2019, but then redid in 2020, um, you know, you, you wind up as you're remixing going, huh, I wonder if, you be, if, if it would be better if we kind of did this to it, which leads you down the rabbit hole of kind of ripping it open and and changing it in fundamentally, which is what we did with Madonna's a Dick, you know, four or five times. Tell me about what you changed with cloud coverage, because it's a really nice song, a little a little more, I guess, somber sounding than the rest of the record, but still fits. You know, I I thought it was really cool that handheld and cloud coverage are a little bit different in the lyrical topics and also the sound, but it still flows really well. You know, it doesn't sound like totally out, you know, out of place or anything like that. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, with, with cloud coverage, we wrote it on an acoustic guitar. Yeah. Like, I thought it was going to be like, of course, it was going to be like, three, four, cloud coverage, coverage. Um, <laughs> practice it that way in some way, but it's, yeah. Um, yeah. And then we started messing around with it with our uh, our band. And that, was, that was that yeah. was in 2019. And they were like, what if we kind of, you know, because they helped a lot on the arrangement and and you know, production of that song. And they were like, well, what if we kind of made it more like this? And we kind of pushed the one and, you know, did a couple like little musical things to make it a little off kilter. Uh, and that just got us really excited because it was like, 
it, oh, it, it is took different us, for us. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. So then we bring that to the studio. Um, and it, you know, there's like all kinds of, you know, other percussions and stuff that you can use in there to accent different parts of the rhythm. And um, so that's kind of how it, it evolved. You know, it kind of went from being a, you know, like, I don't know, um, you know, like a, like a Pixies yeah. chorus, like a, I don't know, whatever it is. Whatever now, it is now. A backwards jazz chorus. Cool. It's a great song. So you mentioned you recorded Madonna re-recorded Madonna or rewrote Madonna is a dick um, several times. I also thought it was cool that the track was inspired by that like 20 minute documentary heavy metal parking lot, which I guess is two guys interviewing different people that are tailgating a Judas Priest concert in a parking lot beforehand. What about that doc? Because it's such a funny uh, short documentary. What about it in particular uh, inspired the song? And tell us a little bit about the song's uh, great, uh, bigger meaning through that. Zebra man. Remember yes. Zebra man? He's like, yeah, he's like, just, I don't know. High Searching for ass. Zebra man. He's still to be found. Yeah. Uh, and he's like talking about like all that punk shit sucks, you know, metal rules, like things like that. And you know what? Madonna's a <laughs> dick. She can go to. And I just, you know, we just thought it was a great title. First of all, we just started with Madonna's a dick. That's it. And then, and then we went from there about like, well, what does this mean? And I think we started kind of writing it as if it's like a, the first couple versions was more of like maybe my experience is like a, like a young Amber, (laughs) a younger me um, inspired by women pop stars. And that's Madonna, but also just how people fucking hate women (laughs) in general, but women, you know, women pop stars get a lot of shit more so than, you know, dudes. Um, But yeah. And then it just kind of evolved into Kind of got rid of that part, but it got us rolling. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. an, it's an homage. Yeah, I mean she, you know, Amber. All credit to her. She, you know, had this great idea to kind of flip that thing into being something that was more about like why is the is the perspective that she's a dick? Why why would this guy? And you know, we're not blaming Zebra. You know, <laughs> He's he just, just a high teenager. Yeah, but it's representative of something. <laughs> bigger than just zebra man uh, it's bigger than zebra man it's bigger than zebra, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um but you know there was this conception uh misconception uh up until you know even recently and i would argue still persists that any woman who has made a success of herself has done so by you know some sort of egregious means you know like by using her sex or her body or whatever um, and that she's cheating in some way, that it's unfair. And, you know, these are all just misogynistic tropes. And and I think she just had this idea to be like, Madonna's a dick. Yeah, she's a bitch. She's a slut. And then it kind of turned into like, but what if she was a guy? What would they be saying about her? And then it was like this. And then just, you wrote the last line, which was the best part. I did? I thought oh, you did. Oh, no, you definitely did. It was like, she should be the president of the United States. Oh, right, Of course, because yeah. we were talking about, you know, it was like yeah, Trump right. time. And, you know, he, yeah, he's a real dick. He's, he's a scumbag. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Fuck him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, 
But uh, yeah, so then I guess that's what that I guess that's what that's all about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, insert anyone. Taylor Swift is a dick. Ariana Grande is a dick. They're they're all it's it's all yeah. They're all on the chopping block with you know as far as misogyny is concerned. Yeah. Yeah. So Amber, your experiences as an actress and you know, being a woman have definitely informed the project lyrically and the overall attitude of the music. It's really cool defining characteristic of the songs and really, I think, gives this band and the the songs like, you know, that real, really something to kind of like dive into and really enjoy. Uh, was that something you originally wanted to do when you started this project or was it something that started to develop as you guys started writing more and more songs that like this is what's coming out of me and this is what's really uh you know this is becoming like a really cool outlet for me through this band and it's making the music better well i i it definitely came out over time but it was also you know credit to alex deason our producer here um yeah, kind of pulling that stuff out. He's really good at guiding where the song goes. Like he's a he's a you're an Iowa Writers Workshop yeah. alum. You're a pro, you're a pro uh, songwriter. Is, is, I know. I did my research, dude. Writer. I know. <laughs> yeah, he knows. Yeah, things should go. But so, but if but every song would be manic panic, which is really what the fuck does this song mean which it's, is awesome which though. is awesome but like you know so sometimes he like pulls it out of me so i and so i credit alex for that a lot because i am not very good at being yeah. vulnerable um you know so that's probably why you know we don't write love songs <laughs> also fuck yeah. love songs there's enough of them uh so um but yeah but it definitely had to it, it's evolved for sure it has evolved from like bullets or bummer to hand heat and i think that's really cool it's like you know multi-dimensional now and you know I, i'm really Me proud too. Of i'm proud of you guys <laughs> it's awesome it's sick tell me about hand heat because i love hand heat it's a, it's a kind of a love song even though you hate love songs it's sort of a love song it's a love song I guess the way Broken Baby would write a love song. I really dig. There's definitely a Shakespeare reference in there at the end, throwing yourself off the building. So tell us about that track. Oh, sure. We did start it on an acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and Cloud Coverage had the same sort of Yeah, those are beginnings. two songs that I think we did start on acoustic guitar, right? We mm-hmm. sat on the floor and started kind of piping away at hand heat. Um, well, you had the, the song title. Hand heat, which I don't even know how that happens, but it just sounded better than sweaty palms. So it's the song is about you know, like when you're in junior high and you're or like whenever yeah. you are holding hands with a boy or a girl, time and you don't want to let go because, but like it's your hand is just disgusting. filling up with <laughs> disgusting sweat. Yeah, like that's what it's like to be a teenager. That's kind of how we writing this song, <laughs> but yeah. And inserting some not a surf references in there too. Yes, great not a surf reference. You know what? What I also like about the record is, and I feel like probably Alex, this is 
something that you kind of inject into there with your, you know, experiences as being, you know, songwriting for many different people, including your own projects. You know, there's definitely like solid pop songwriting characteristics in these songs, too. I'm thinking in particular, you know, it's all over, but something that really stood out to me, I really liked the harmonies on He Likes Me towards the end, kind of the way you you put those together. Uh, great vocal layering as well. So tell me a little bit about that track in particular, just how all the moving parts came together, because it's such a nice sounding song, especially the vocals. That's like one of, that's my, I think that might be my favorite. Yeah. Uh, Back on the album, actually, I think it might be mine as well. Yeah, he likes me. It's a bummer we didn't put it out as a single, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, we. I think <laughs> all, for yeah. me, there's anxiety sometimes that we're leaving some of our influences behind. Um, you know, like it feels sometimes like love that song because the riff is so fun to play and the chorus is so explosive, and and I'm like, oh, cool. Well, I feel like we finally got to do service to our like hives influence. You know, um, that like yeah. Tyrannosaurus vibes vibe you know and then i'm like oh but but what about what about our um you know our like replacement influences or yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i thought that um you know in he likes me you know we we just wanted to do this sort of like silly almost like a gag song that was yeah. like you know about ba- basically i mean amber can speak to this but it's about you know being in an abusive relationship and and sort of having the and sticking around because maybe there just isn't something better, but he fucking yeah, he hates you. Yeah. So the chorus this is like this. He likes me. He likes me. He likes me. <laughs> just um, convincing yourself that this yeah. is gonna work out. <laughs> and then with those with those backing vocals, a la you know, Enders or Cindy Lauper was like supposed to be this, you know, like sort of like a demented barbershop quartet, sort of echoing the same thing. The chorus, the lyrics of the verse are literally just yeah. he likes me, but it's delivered in two totally different ways, you know? So like one part is just like her jumping around and then there's actually like singing. And um, and I just thought it made a nice contrast to some of the other tracks on the record in that it, it was yeah, still like no, this yeah. sort of like punky, um, you know, had this very... Um, you know, uh, Gang of Four riff in the throughout the chorus, but it had this yeah. kind of pretenders vibe for the chorus and had a like talking heads kind of, you know, boppy, um, you know, part of the chorus. And, you know, so I don't know. I mean, I think it was for, for me, that song was about getting those influences in, um, you know, come hell or high water. Yeah, I love the track. I also really like the title, Late Stage Optimism. And just from reading about the two of you and the band, your story, I felt like it was such a cool and appropriate title because to me, from understanding and speaking with the two of you, this band kind of came together as a, you know, not your first project, not the first band you've been involved in. So it's kind of like this thing later on and you're finding a lot of happiness through it as well. So I'm wondering what the title mm. meant I'm to I'm so you. glad that you got that from that because, you know, we we really focused on a title this time because our first one was self-titled. Um, and I don't know if that was because we were lazy or we're just like, no, let's fucking come out guns blazing broke baby. But... Um, <laughs> 
uh, late stage optimism was something we had like a list of album titles that we were kind of like going through and Alex's favorite phrase of all time <laughs> is late stage capitalism. He's like, if there's everything, <laughs> he's like, I don't know why this, and he's like, I got the, I got the answer for you. Late stage capitalism. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and then it sucks to be right. Yeah, it does suck to be right. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of came up a play of words from that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's like this idea that his late stage capitalism is, is bad, you know. Um, uh, yeah, and late stage optimism is kind of good. So it's, it was, yeah, turning yeah. it. It's yeah, the opposite. <laughs> but it does. It, it is foreboding, and that late stage optimism would infer that optimism is, is about to run out. You know, so it's maybe this yeah. manic explosion of optimism at the tail end of optimism yeah a sense of urgency really yeah <laughs> cool great title everyone uh the album's out now late stage optimism via poor man records you could get it on vinyl via broken also they've got compact discs yeah. if you're into compact discs still i am i play CDs in my car all oh, wow. the time, so it's cool to see that you got. Yeah. Do you drive a horse and buggy, or what? What model are you? What, what? <laughs> 2009 Honda <laughs> Civic, and it is a piece of yeah, shit. It, and it I will love never it. die. Yeah, I'm waiting for it to die. It has a huge gash in the side that I never got <laughs> fixed. Uh, the paint is fading, so you know aesthetically does not look good but it gets a job <laughs> all, all right everyone now we're gonna play some tracks from broken baby's new record late stage optimism we're gonna hear tracks one and two get the piss up and maniac and we're gonna follow that up with he likes me again get yourself a vinyl copy at broken
All right, everyone, we just heard three tracks from Broken Baby's brand new record, Late Stage Optimism. We heard tracks one and two, Get the Piss Up and Maniac, and then we heard He Likes Me. I know you liked those songs, so if you want to grab a copy of the album on vinyl, it's out now via Poor Man Records, and you can get a copy via brokenbaby.bandcamp.com. All right, so Amber and Alex of Broken Baby picked some records from my record collection. We're going to talk about them and play them, starting with the Exploding Hearts. You selected Sleeping Aids and Razor Blades off of Guitar Romantic. I feel like this is a band, sonically, you could see the parallels between Broken Baby and the Exploding Hearts, you know, that edgy punk sound. But, you know, they definitely have those, you know, that poppiness to them, too, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I remember when I first heard the Exploding Hearts, it was about the same time that I heard that they also died yeah, in a van accident. And Terrible. it was I think that was, it had such an impact on me. That it was like I'd listened to this band, I'd liked them for like a you know just known about them for a month, and then heard about that. I'm just like I was so heartbroken and devastated because I felt like the merger of like like that kind of like punk music, but it was like sugary punk music, and they talked about love, you know, and I just their aesthetic was so beautiful. Oh, yeah, such a great album. Oh, every song in there is a hit. To you to prove them wrong, but you couldn't even do that. And if it hurt you when you left, okay, you know you ought to hurt yourself. You know, the first night you left me, 
next, Can I Ride by Polvo off of their album, Half Cocked. This is the post-punk, you know, super guitar-y band. Great riffs on this record, for sure. Yeah, this is my pick. Um, Polvo was one of the bands that I just, when I, when I heard their first records, I mean, I just... You know, that's that's also on a record called Four Crane Secret. And that whole record just has these incredible songs in it that span everything from like weird art, you know, noise, kind of kind of like an, a less refined uh, Archers of Loaf, if that's even. Yeah. Today. Yeah, totally. Archers of Loaf had sort of a similar approach to their guitar work where everything was very angular and weird. <clears throat> but yeah. More of a pop punk element to Archers of Loaf. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, their yeah. melodies were on yeah. point. Vocal melodies and, and stuff. I love, yeah, I love our club. To me, that song is just—it's so amazing. It kind of encapsulates like I don't know, there's, dare I say, some like a Tom Petty sort of influence in there in just the just the crafting of the song amid this like hurricane of these totally weird atonal guitars. Um, yeah, you know they were famous for like tuning their guitars to Z. You know, it was like just, <laughs> just string flopping around everywhere. And yeah, I just I love that band. They went on to make a, a ton of really great records. Next, you mentioned this band a little earlier. Another Swedish band, two-timing touch and broken bones by the hives off of Tyrannosaurus hives. This is a band puts on a great energetic live show. They definitely have a lot of personality as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, the chorus of that song is just amazing. She's just saying over and two-timing touch and broken bones. What the hell is he talking about? Yeah. It's so cool. It's so great. Yeah. We we definitely listened to this uh, while we were writing the last portion of our album. And the production quality, I think, yeah, is like, it's so cool. It's, you know, we were digging pretty deep into like just, you know, all kinds of references of how we wanted the record to sound. And, you know, um, I think, you know, partly like the, the Phoenix record, you know, like, um, I think it's like Amadeus Mozart Phoenix or I can't remember. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That record sounds incredible and it's got more low end than you would expect from sort of like a post-punk kind of vibe. And a lot of people lump Phoenix in with, you know, MGMT and the Hives. And, um, and uh, but there's something about the Hives record that's really pretty raw. and pretty, Yeah, and I was going to say raw for sure. Yeah, It's raw, but it's also refined in just the right ways. Um I'm not a big fan of, 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 of low end. I mean, yeah, but it just seems to be that we're living under the tyranny of low end. I mean, you put on a Foo Fighters record and it's just, you, you, you could be listening to the same frequency response as, you know, like a Nicki Minaj record. And, you know, when I'm listening to Nicki Minaj, I'm like, I want that low end. But when I'm listening to the Foo Fighters, I do not. You know? <laughs> so there was something about that Hives record that I think gave us permission to be like, yeah, it's cool to be like in your face, punchy, mid-rangey, and 
and a little, you know, a little sharp and and hot, you know, and sexy. Yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, something totally different. Beautiful, beautiful song. Little Sister by Nico. This is a gorgeous, gorgeous song. It really, like, Nico, when I, man, I don't know who introduced me to Nico, but it was like it saved my life at the time or something. I feel like everything that I adore, all favorite, all my favorite bands or favorite musicians or whatever, like, man, I feel like it saved my life. Just such a dumb thing to say. <laughs> but Nico, knowing that she was like, in the Velvet Underground, but they didn't even really want her in there. And then she went on to do her own record, um, still writing with um, uh, uh, da, 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 Velvet Underground. Not the oh, um, what's his name? Yeah, why, cool. why is my yeah. name <laughs> blanking on me? I'll right remember. Now. Yeah, <clears throat> we'll remember. Um, but that's I mean, everyone loves Chelsea Girls. First of all, Chelsea Girls was my very first record and vinyl that I bought because I bought a record player and I went and I found that and I was like, this is so exciting. And little sister, I ended up playing more than Chelsea girls, which is probably the popular track, but it is beautiful. Her, her voice is so imperfect and beautiful and dark. And you just don't hear those voices anymore. So. Running in to the androgynous by the replacements off of their seminal record let it be i mean i have trouble listening to the replacements without just weeping i know because it's it's songwriting perfection i don't think anyone has come close um you know that's obviously a highly bloviated statement but it is what i believe i i, I believe it too. we'll believe it yeah, i believe it let's let's the three of us let's believe it together I love Paul Westerberg. Oh, dude, we, our very first date that we had, uh, we found out we both loved Paul Westerberg and we kissed that night. Mm -hmm. And it was because of Paul Westerberg. We basically kissed Paul Westerberg. (laughs) Thanks, Paul, wherever you are, on behalf of Broken Baby and Look at My Records. Yeah, I I love Paul Westerberg and I feel like this was... Uh, this is an example of a song where he's starting to, you know, push forward with more of his, you know, power poppy songwriting or, you know, more of his poppier songwriting, which, of course, then, you know, came out more on Tim and then definitely mm-hmm. on um, Please to Meet Me. And his solo stuff is amazing, too. I love listening to, uh, you know, 14 songs or whatever it's called. Um yeah. So, yeah, I'm a big fan as well. You know, Tim is such an interesting record, too, because it's like their, I think that was like one of their first records that they kind of like had a 
big time producer kind of working with them. And, and it does sound a little dated, you know, yeah. but the songs in that record, that's one of those records where it doesn't matter because the songs are so incredibly good that everything is excused. And that's not easy to do. Yeah. You know, here comes a regular. It's like, that is such an incredible song that it doesn't matter that it's like totally washed out. Yeah. Advice is sent to her. She's happy with the way she looks. She's happy with her gender. And they love each other so androgynous. Closer than you know. Love each other so androgynous. Uh, next. Uh, Return the Gift by Gang of Four off of Entertainment. For me personally, this record had a huge impact on me the first time I heard it. You know, what the, the first song is, uh, I think the first song on that record is um, Natural's Not In or Ether. Ether and then Natural's Not In. Yeah. But Ether hits you like so fucking hard like with that bass you know and you're like whoa i've never heard anything like this before so good selection mm -hmm. is basically what i'm saying because this this record was very impactful on me and uh return the gift is an amazing song yeah that, love that song. <laughs> thank you we wrote that song uh <laughs> not even thinking about it really no we that was a big influence in broken baby for before in the beginning we were just like putting we we listened to entertainment i'm surprised that record is still Able Playable. to be played, yeah, because we just yeah. wore that shit out. And we wore that; it just never gets old. That music, Gang of Four in general, just never gets old. I agree. Timeless <laughs> music, timeless post punk. It is timeless, and it's just influ This record continues to influence so many bands. This record in particular. Oh. I mean, honestly, you go to any show in Brooklyn right now. There's a lot of bands oh. that still, you know, worship this record and this sound. And you, you can hear yeah. it. Many, many bands. So, you know, just the longevity of the influence of this record is incredible. And it's very difficult to imitate properly. I mean, people forget the Gang of Force, you know, at least on entertainment, was a three. There isn't another guitar. It's just Andy Gill, you know, Um and so I think the power in that is is pretty phenomenal. I mean, that was like the original power trio, you know. And then last but not least, Broken Faithful by Marianne Faithful off of, I mean, Broken English by Marianne Faithful off of Broken English. If I could reincarnate into some other singer, I, I would I would choose her voice and her, just the, like, uh, she is, I don't know, I, I've, I feel... Like she's so vulnerable. She's got such great songwriting skills, and um, it, yeah, I just want to be her next time, next time around. Next time around, yeah, next time around. Her voice, love it, so good. No one can do that shit. Oh, awesome. I, I guess you have to like smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, like ten. Packs. But 
get broken up with millions of times. Uh, I don't know, lose lots of money. I don't know what, what creates that sound from a human. I don't know. Yeah. A lot of real life devastating experiences. <laughs> I don't want to reincarnate into that. Okay. never mind. I take it back. I'm fine. Find the way that it is. We are coming to the end of this episode. Wow, it was so great talking with Amber and Alex of Broken Baby. Everyone, their new album is amazing. It's called Late Stage Optimism. It's out now on Poor Man Records. You can get yourself a vinyl copy or a compact disc copy at brokenbaby.bandcamp.com. Also, highly encourage you to follow Broken Baby on Instagram. They're a fun Instagram follow. I think you're on Twitter as well, and of course, like them on Facebook. Hey, Alex and Alex and Amber, so cool talking to you. What's next now that the record is out? I know you're looking to play some more L.A. shows, right? Yeah, we were hoping maybe Tom, you had some answers. Yeah, what do you us. got for what us? Do you, what do you got for us? Come out, come out to Brooklyn or New Jersey. I live in Jersey City, New Jersey, right outside of Manhattan. And hey, you could play in Brooklyn. I'll help set yeah. it up, and you could also play in Jersey City on a Thursday. It has to be a oh. Thursday. <laughs> Coast tour. We're, yeah, we'll do like an East Coast tour sometime in 2022. Five. Oh, hell yeah. So we will be in touch because uh, I could totally, could totally make, yeah. make some stuff happen. Some good stuff. And I know the people, the people here will love you. So I'm not, you know, I know you're going to kill it. So thank awesome. you, Tom. You're the best. You're the best too. Tom's the best. Tom is the best. Amber and Alex are the best. Broken Baby is the best. Everyone, we're going to play one last track from Late Stage Optimism. It's the final track, Hand Heat.
Waiting on a winning streak Maybe that's with you